0: Welcome to Brum. My name is Jasmine Sandar and I am the executive producer of Bringing Recognition to Underrepresented Minds, a podcast series that has been launched as part of the University of Birmingham's Black Voices campaign. Black Voices was launched with the aim to provide our Black students with a platform to discuss any issues that impact their lives. If you would like to look at our other projects, you can head over to guildofstudents.com slash blackvoices and have a browse through our website. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy our second episode for this series, Black Music.
1: Welcome to the second episode of Brum. Bram. Bring in recognition to underrepresented minds. Today's episode is focused on black music. I am Sandra NY and I'm joined by three amazing guests. We've got Zavari who is a local pop-based singer, we've got Rory from badmag who is a local music journalist and Amira who's another fellow student at the University of Birmingham studying music but also a musician herself. I'm very much into classical music but guys I do want you to give little bit more of an introduction into who you are since that was very very brief. Rory, tell
2: us a bit about yourself. Sure, so um, I'm Rory, Rory Oakley. My background is you know of Jamaican roots, so I'm both from my parents' sides. You know I'm second generation and you know I've got a big family based down in Birmingham, a lot of family like London and Leeds too, but you know here is where Home is, home is where the heart is. And I've, you know, I've always had a, you know, a musical upbringing from my mother being in and around church. She's very much so a church girl. Flip side, my dad was, him and his brothers uh, grew up with like sound system culture. Uh, they had a pretty big sound back in the 80s and 90s called King Iowa. So it's always been a, something I've been submerged in and around with. And then from like having cousins, older sisters and so on and so forth, they put me onto like, you know, Garage and Grime. So, like Trickling down, I've always had an interest, and then yeah, it got to going to uni. I was down in London, and that was in, around the time where you know grime had a bit of a resurgence, and like you know people from Birmingham hadn't really stopped making grime. So there was a lot of talented artists out there, and like a lot of my friends I started to make music as well. I think it was very clear that I wasn't a rapper, <laughs> I wasn't a singer, but I had an interest. So like started off with write-ups, artist bios for my friends a few pieces here and then and then i started working with some djs like dj bigos from birmingham he i have a lot to thank for that guy he gave me a, my, my first like kickstart really It was like sending out mailers to like radio stations different labels for the artists that he was trying to push a lady called lily mercer who runs a magazine uh, down in london called viperman uh we got in contact i don't know he, a write-up for her uh, that was in one of the editions in like 2018 and then from there got me into it and then <laughs> trickling i was just doing my own thing the bad mouth Road came in so from then i've got a, a reason to you know carry on even if i wasn't with bab i'd probably still be doing my own thing but I've got a place where my writing can exist so yeah
1: that's amazing it sounds like music has followed you all your life definitely your passions and music influences as well as like your career now because you're actually working in music having grown up you know, having those musical influences in the home mm-hmm. and then actually now being able to write about music must be so amazing
2: it's nice it's a great 360
1: and definitely representing Brum because you are a local mm-hmm. like myself I'm a bit of a fake <laughs> so Zafari could you tell us a bit about your musical influences and how you got into music
3: yes now oh again it's kind of like uh a bit of quite similar to worry to fair, in the sense of it started when i was really young music and it started when i was at church and every sunday we go to church and then one particular sunday my mom was like get on stage and sing and i was like no <laughs> i saw me about four or five then and i was like no i'm not doing it i'm not doing it but she pushed me and like there was like a church choir at the time and like she kind of noticed that I would go home and just like sing the songs from church and I would just pick them up really quick. And then considering I was really young, she was just like, wow, you need to just just, just go and sing. So she did push me a little bit and she gave me a massive kick up the bum to go on stage and sing. And again, it was really nerve-wracking, but you gave me that kind of like, you gave me that sense of belonging, I guess. And you just felt really good at the time. And I've just always been into music since. After, after a while, we didn't really go to church that much because the kind of life got got in the way and like you just kind of not grow out of it, but it just doesn't come as much as a, a ritual anymore. And I started dancing and for years I was a dancer. I was like a street dancer, hip hop dancer, freestyle dancer, all this flexible stuff. And um, again, even though it's dancing, it was still music based because I was dancing to music and I was dancing to music that I really enjoyed into like Missy Elliott, <laughs> stuff like that Ludacris, bust rhymes and stuff pop hip-hop R& b music so it's gone I've gone from church music to like gospel to like hip-hop and like my I'm like the youngest of like all my siblings and my siblings are kind of like much older than me so my sister's like 10 years older than me and then my elder sister's like 20 years older than me I would be listening to the songs that they would listen to. So again, like old school RB, <laughs> I kind of listened to it and I really enjoyed it. And then as I started to kind of like come into my own, I would listen to like pop pop music, everything that would be on the TV downstairs. I would listen to MTV bass. I don't know if you guys remember MTV Bass, then go into Kerrang, then go back onto MTV Bass, then go back into Kerrang. Like my head was just like, Whoa. <laughs> but it was just music and I have just always had this massive love just for music regardless of the genre and it got to the point where I was about 15 16 I was like yeah let's make some music let's, let's make some music but then I kind of I was struggling a bit because I've got this love for all these different genres I didn't know what kind of genre I want to write personally so then I was, I was in a rock band <laughs> playing drums <laughs> don't ask but I did it anyway it was experience and it was good and then I realised that he just wasn't for me and I wanted to sing so then I got into a studio at my local, it was like a local youth club down the road from my house and I worked with a producer and we made my first ever EP and that was just amazing and I was literally like 16, 17 then and then I just started doing gigs, performances, festivals and then people kind of started to know about me and I was like oh okay maybe I should do this. So I did it and I continued to doing it. And now I'm here and I'm 22 now and I'm still doing music. So it just shows that you just kind of have to be persistent with it, especially if you love it and you've got a passion for it. I just know that I won't be able to not step away from music. It's just part of my life and it's just part of who I am now. So, yeah, that's me.
1: (laughs) That is amazing. That's such an interesting story, which actually parallels well with like Rory's story as well. And I think a lot of us can actually relate to how within the home there's like a amalgamation of different genres that you're exposed to like whether it be cultural or religious or like just generally what comes into the home and I can definitely relate to having older siblings and taking a lot of their musical tastes on and assuming okay. that those are my tastes as well and then just sort of finding your taste and finding out who you are as a listener of music because I think definitely it's, it's lovely to like have all those influences coming in, but also finding out what genre best suits you and best speaks to you is, is also a great discovery. But Amira, I think your interest and in your particular genre of music is quite different from ours being like hip hop, R&B, pop, et cetera. Tell us a bit about your musical influences and growing up, what sort of music you listen to and what sort of music you're into now.
0: Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because, I mean, I owe the fact that I started learning violin and all of the um, classical music training that rooted from my mum saying, I want all of my children to be able to ice skate, swim, tap, ballet, everything, right? So me and my sisters have a large range of skills at our disposal. Which is something that my mum really wanted us to be able to have granted i wouldn't say that classical music was the music that we were listening to at home or the music that was playing all of the time my mum was a massive fan of like jazz and motown and soul and funk and that's what we were listening to at home my dad just always listening to reggae and then like barry white <laughs> so there was not much correlation between the music that i was studying i started learning violin when i was nine years old so the the parallels between the music i was studying um as a violinist and the music i was listening to at home were very different but it didn't feel different to me partially because my first violin teacher was a black man and he's like a father figure to me now so it didn't feel like it was something that was supposed to be a white thing and i think that had a massive influence in the way that i perceived classical music it didn't come with the elitism it didn't come with all of these different social cues because to me it was coming from the same people right um and that has a massive influence on how i've perceived all these different genres me and my sisters can all play classical music we all have almost up to grade eight standard training in all of those and i think my love for classical music Um, I enjoyed it when I was nine but not a lot I found it boring after a while and I think a lot of young people probably understand that sentiment it wasn't until I got a little bit older I'd say about 14 or 15 where I really started listening to it more and more and I had detached the concept of boring classical music that that had gone it dissipated for me because I'd discovered all these different genres within the term classical music we're talking about 400 years of music do you know what i mean that there was so much variety in that and that was something that i found exciting i loved playing violin the whole way through playing violin was never the instrumental side the learning the instrument and enjoying music and being able to play different genres with the instrument i was playing meant that my love for violin never faltered and even still that that maintains at the end of the day when it comes to music and all the different genres understanding that these genres were made from cultures of those communities set within those times and that they're not restricted to a certain group of people in that sense even if that's where it roots from allows you to engage more honestly with the integrity of the music and what it's trying to provoke the emotions it's trying to convey and everything else in that sense so yeah that's like my experience with um music It's i think music coming from the home is something that we can all relate to
1: in that sense. 100% and I think you touched on a really interesting point in that musical instruments are so versatile. The same instrument, like you said, a violin can be used to play a range of different genres, which I think is so amazing about music. But I think we've discussed a little bit about what influenced us as people within the home and how we sort of got into music, but we didn't actually touch on any past figures from history who were well-established within the music scene and directly influenced us in any way. I mean I'm not a musician myself but I do love music a lot and there are particular musical figureheads that just influenced me as a person. So I thought it'd be interesting to sort of find out who were your musical influences outside of the home. I'll start with Zafari on this one. This is a very
3: big question. I don't think you realise it. <laughs> um, massive, massive question. I think there's so many. And a lot of them are kind of women, I guess. Because uh, to me, when I was growing up, it was kind of like day. They gave me a lot of strength. And uh, listen, I listened to a lot of Lauren Hill growing up. Just the whole kind of, just the way how she writes her lyrics and her philosophy behind things was just like, yep. Yeah. For me, it, like listening to her music, was something for me to actually listen to and actually ponder on. So she was, a, she was, she was big for me. And I would say, and I was talking about more women, but I would say Bob Marley, <laughs> because again, not saying that music doesn't always come from women, but I enjoy music that kind of it, it, it teaches people something or it gives people messages. And it's, you know, music's so universal. I think just to give someone a message or to tell someone something through lyrics, it's really important. You're you're spreading awareness, you're spreading things that, you know, people may have not even thought about before. Or it's just to kind of bring people together, you know, bring people onto the same mindset, create a community within music. That's what I love. And Bob Marley definitely does that. And I think. Norman Hill also does that as well. She she tells stories and and I love storytelling. I used to write a lot of stories when I was younger as well. The whole creative writing kind of thing, which is kind of something that I enjoy. And I think, I mean, that's probably why I I enjoy writing songs as well, because it's part of storytelling. And I think when I look at like the music that I used to listen to when I was growing up, like maybe like Beyonce, she's talented in a completely different Mm way. She's got a lot of drive and just, again, confidence and just, I mean I don't know how she does it <laughs> that's another side of, of music that I enjoy I enjoy the the, the drive and enthusiasm I also enjoy the truth behind music and the storytelling of it I think well even you probably don't know Hayley Williams from Paramore Paramore is my favorite band in the world you'll see my bedroom is full of Paramore posters and I just looked up to Hayley because she was in a band full of males and she stood her ground and she was who she wanted to be and she didn't let them guys tell her she couldn't do anything she wanted to do she just did it and she owned Paramore and she was an amazing front woman and I bow down to her because she 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 clearly had that kind of respect for herself her band members have respect for her and she just she's again she's another fierce person um quite a contrast but yeah and I think also having
1: people that looked like you also helped in terms of them being an inspiration for yeah. the type of music you ended up making and enjoying because um, obviously you mentioned Beyonce is very driven we all know this is Beyonce's world we're just living in it also Lauren Hill was just an amazing amazing storyteller as well as Bob Marley and I think the storytelling element of music is something that draws in a lot of people because it's almost like that person is literally telling your life story but just singing it with better melodies or better harmonies, well, than me anyway. So it's amazing to hear what exactly we enjoy about music and what about the people who influence us, what about them influences us really and why. Amira, I want to ask you, what particular musical influences did you have growing up? I know you mentioned your violin teacher being a Black man, which I think is incredible because... You don't often see representation in genres like classical music, really. Well, personally, I didn't. And I think that's amazing. But tell us a little bit more about your musical influences.
0: So when it came to, I feel like as a musician, there are like different parts of you. So there's like the composer, the performer, the instrumentalist. And those different aspects for me always had different people representing those things in me and inspiring me in that sense. So when it came to being an instrumentalist as a violinist, I was listening to Ishtak Palman and Hilary Hahn, and all these big names of these incredible virtuosos that dominate the scene today. And even in the past, like Hi and Milstein, right? And none of these people are people of color. <laughs> Quite naturally, like that was what was going on for me growing up and going, okay, what recording am I, am I going to listen to? And I mean, we see more of that nowadays. So as I got into my teenage years a little bit older, so like 14 and 15, and you go, actually, I want to search for more diversity among virtuosos and even just also getting more into your craft and wanting to look past the surface four or five famous people kind of thing you start to discover people like randall gooseby an incredible african-american violinist um then we have people like el midori an incredible japanese violinist and all these different stars that from the past and today that have incredible technical ability and are very much leading the classical music industry people like ray chen who probably blown up the most recently in terms of socially modern he's on social media etc cetera, etc cetera, and engaging with his fans and things like that so in terms of classical music becoming a more intimate experience between the people the listeners and the performance and having that inspiration being someone that you could literally find on social media and see what they spent their day doing. Like completely changes that dynamic in that sense. Then when it comes to composers and composing classical music, and my inspirations, I, I was finding that with composition, I was mostly leaning towards, again, white male composers of the past right so i mean my particular style i was really into dvorak i still am to this day love dvorak and there's loads of incredible dvorak there's those are things that i've listened to in recent years so that'll be william grant still for example and different composers like that who are african-american and have that representation in that sense oh i really i missed out someone incredible earlier when i was talking about instrumentalists the carney mason family after Shekka Cardi Mason did the um, performance at Megan's wedding that I think brought him to prominence um, when he played Après un rêve by Foray and when I saw him on that and then on the BBC Young Performers his family and him have really had a massive impact I think on so many black young musicians in the UK without fail I mean they're based in Nottingham so it's not strictly Birmingham but that has a massive influence on me on many other people and their ability to tie classical music with so many different genres, which is something that many of us aspire to do as well. And then I think it comes to the performer. And I think when it came to performing and enjoying music, this is where I found the most diversity because it didn't feel like I had to restrict myself to classical musicians. I mean, I remember growing up and I was listening to Black Eyed Peas (laughs) and JLS, But like, I was also listening to like Nat King Cole and Ella Fitzgerald, you know? And the class that they brought to their performances was something that I've always wanted to emulate in my performance. Just the the energy, the class, the detail of the way it's all put together, um, the simplicity and accuracy, that was something that I admired so much in their performance and wanted to bring to my own performance. I remember discovering, um, finding Esperanza Spaulding. I don't know if, if you guys know her, she's a jazz musician, but she also has classical roots. She became a massive inspiration for me, just in terms of her ability to apply her classical music training into her music, into her performance, into her arrangement, everything about the way that she held herself performed as an instrumentalist, her virtuosity. That was a massive inspiration for me, I think, during my teenage years and through to today. And it wasn't necessarily at opposites with the music that I was casually listening to, which was what was quite nice about the bridge that she made for me in terms of inspiring me as a musician, but also me being able to just listen to her casually walking down the street just enjoy that um, for what it was so I think yeah there's a range of inspirations I had outside of the home I know I've given a really long-winded answer um, to this question um but I think yeah I found inspirations in instrumentalists in composers and in performers wow and I love that breakdown that you gave I don't think I've ever like
1: thought of it that way and I think you've provided some insight that other people like me who don't know any better as to the different ways that we take influence from music and why different people inspire us. Rory, I wanted to ask you, particularly being from Birmingham, living in Birmingham, are there any particular influences within Birmingham that have influenced you growing up or have just been an inspiration to you within the music scene?
2: I think generally like the, you know, the typical uh, people which are from Birmingham as we see them every day on TV, like, you know, as I was born, I watched like, the Osborne like, family show as a kid. And just, you know, my my mum or dad being like, he's from Birmingham, like, do you know what I mean? Or like, you know, seeing Jamelia on TV or fantastic woman. And she went to the same church as my uh, parents, like before Fame. Late nights, I would have been a baby, so I don't remember at church. But, you know, just seeing that people are in and around of these same streets and have gone to the moon and back now, definitely is why you know, Mike's going to be, not to mention what he you know done for the grime scene uh scene that I, you know i love and i have a lot of time for so i'd say birmingham wise there's those be and then you know you have the devil man's and in like 2004 i was probably about 2000 not 2006 i was probably about 10 and seeing him clash skepta on like the uh Northern the mikes just like blew my mind because he's you know he's from birmingham he sounds like me not exactly but yeah you know i mean <laughs> we got the same accent so yeah. it's just you know refreshing and i'd say on a wider spectrum from that just i think it was sandra that said watching it uh no Savari said sorry uh, watching mtv bass and you know channel you and all these channels in the box you'd constantly see musicians on there but two that stuck out like you know hip-hop wise i'd say it was probably pharrell and kanye just as a young black boy i have a big family and, and a lot of cousins that haven't done the greatest stuff ever. So I wasn't, felt like I was shouted away, but I wasn't, I didn't spend a lot of time with them. So they followed like the dressed, acted like, you know, your fifties sense, your J's and jar rules and whatnot. But to see two black guys that, you know, weren't the typical, you know, gangsters and use their imagination and like their style and their influences and weren't, you know, defined by, you know, being black and having to be tough. I think it's inspired me in multiple walks of life to this day. And I think, I feel like, you know, if it wasn't for them to, I'd be totally different. Like, I was a massive, still am a massive Pharrell fan. I remember my cousin, she was in, like, the spaz video for N.E.R.D. I was seven and, like, do you know what I mean? She met him, like, that was, like, God to me. Like, do you know what I mean? Past those, I'd say, Miss Dynamite was a massive influence. Just seeing this, like, unapologetically, like, black girl, destroy the stages everywhere like you know win multiple awards number ones the whole shebang like it was amazing to see and I had the biggest like crush on her and then the funny story um it was like our post six or like lads holiday to INAFA and she was performing and like I bumped into it, and I was like oh my god this time i have out of fancy I was like five and she was like oh no don't make me feel old man. but <laughs> she like she was lovely she appreciated it, and um Uh, On me and just you know to see that you know a black woman be herself and not having to be you know sexy or be over sexualized. She never let that be her and or let it define her. So yeah, massive props to her. And I would say as well, he was like my favorite grime artist as a kid. Like like for uh, Ellen Kanye, he you know never followed to like the tough guy look. He was a bit of a ladies man. who's had confidence and like you know Black Boys is a song that you know inspires me to this day. Um, just hearing speak so boldly and proudly about Black people, especially Black people within the UK, giving up, came to like, you know, your Lenny Henry's, your Ian Wright's, your Trevor McDonald's, and like, you know, those guys I have a lot to thank for as well. Just people that look like me being on TV and show me where I can, you know, possibly be one day. So, yeah, I would say those are, you know, some of my uh, musical influences that really had a long lasting effect on me. The injustice?
1: <laughs> I think it's just so amazing to hear like all the different inspirations we have and like, you know it's not just defined by where we are because personally mm-hmm. growing up in uh, East London I definitely there was a lot of musicians who grew up here and have done really mm-hmm. well like Getz, Kano, so many um, mm-hmm. that I can't even name otherwise I won't do it justice. It wasn't just limited to who was around me but having the luxury of TV and seeing people like Nicki Minaj on stage in the States mm-hmm. like just the confidence that she exudes when she performs yeah. in her raps and everything I think is just amazing and I really loved how you touched on Miss Dynamite you know it was the black woman who mm-hmm. influenced you because we often hear black women inspiring black women black mm-hmm. men inspiring mm-hmm. black men but I think it's nice to see that crossover in terms of oh, representation in general on all the different characteristics that these musicians embody which actually influences all black people but I did particularly want to discuss Jamelia who obviously was born and raised in Birmingham and she is a very successful musician she is very vocal also on like just race and everything and just to give a bit of background into like her musical career so she started off doing music in Birmingham obviously I think she was as young as 15 and at first she didn't really notice any musical barriers because something that I've also noticed is that in Birmingham there is a sense of community and uh, particularly where she grew up it was quite a melting pot Um, she didn't see race really she didn't acknowledge it as something that was going to hinder her career Um, but instead She speaks about how this came from her mum in the home, telling her that she can achieve anything she wants, which I think a lot of us can relate to how our parents, like Mira was saying, you play so many instruments, you're into skating and, and music. And it's just so amazing how within the household, we get these influences and Jamelia did actually have that from her mum who told her that she can just do whatever she liked and she definitely encouraged her musical career and her musical progression Jamelia's obviously very successful she's had three studio albums eight uk top 10 singles and four mobo awards under her belt but she did notice that actually the further along that she got into her musical career there were more barriers that she was more aware of the further the further she left Birmingham she noticed that she was exposed to more criticism and actually she noticed racism very subtly because she noticed like microaggressions from her peers and also just like lack of opportunity that she was offered and I think it's really interesting because in her transition to TV presenting that's when she noticed more of these racial barriers and I think that's just enlightening because it seems as though when black people are within a space where we're kind of expected to flourish so within music there's a lot of black people there's a lot of representation in that but when it comes to what we actually see on our tv screens there's less of that representation so I just want to pose this question to you guys what racial barriers have you personally faced within your careers? When did you start noticing these and what racial barriers did you face? I'll start with Rory on this one.
2: That's a great question. Uh, I'll give an example, which is, I'd say it was a barrier, but it's put me onto the path where I am today. And I'm really thankful that, you know, it did happen. So, you know, before I was doing this and like, I, I, you know, I work for Badmack, but I mentor as well uh, for autistic t- uh, teenagers. And beforehand, I was working with finance for about, Next to me, two years, pretty large company, privately owned, in which I didn't know how much of that makes a difference. I started the role, you know, was welcomed in by, like, you know, my department. Everyone was, like, great. And then time and time went by and then we went into lockdown. And I noticed that there was no mention to, like, or even a nod or or a sign of support to, like, the Black Lives Matter movement um, or the interest that was going on you know, to check in if I was okay. And, like, I'm seeing, like, my black friends that work for other companies, um, you know, have that, you know, are you all right? I found it interesting. But I ploughed on, we came out of lockdown and I went back into the office. There was a, like, a senior project manager that He was always a little off with me, but I just thought, you know, I'm young. I don't think he saw I was like, my manager. So I thought that was, you know, just a factor. And so, you know, didn't really look into it. And then um came back and I saw him hello like and I'm just expecting a lower back and move on with it uh, and he was like yo Mr Afro uh, oh, boy, and then man. I was like, like excuse me and he was like how you doing blood and I'm like to you know I've never I don't give off you know that type of vibe or you know I'm, a, I'm in work I'm a professional not to say that you know I've shout I've you know I've got who I actually am because it's not me anyway and then I saw him the week after, this carried on, you know, how you doing, bro? How, what what handshake are we doing? That afro's getting bigger, isn't it? Like, these times I had, you know, a high fade with my sides, like, it was, you know, a respectable haircut. that was, you know, it wasn't messy or and kept on tidy, and which I can imagine you as, like, black women have faced um, growing up. You know, I spoke to like a son of a senior figure and he was like to me disgusting what he said but it's a privately owned company and he's been here for years he'll just get a light telling slapping on on, like the wrist and that will be that um so there's no point basically and then that you know it fueled me and it really really hurt me and it set and like it you know i grew up in a predominantly white area acrocs green and you know always or like sort of racism and whatnot but I thought it was just you know small-minded people and like professionals especially in the working world wouldn't operate like that it wouldn't be that sort of party and it, it was so it geared me up into you know quitting and it's got me to where I am today now so I'm you know I'm thankful for it that it's happened and it's a shame that it did happen but that's life so if I'm ever in a position where you know I autonomy or authority to you know teach you know diversity and you know emphasize that within like a a big professional workspace. Um, you know, you bet you're gonna do that. So yeah, I'm glad that's happened. Yeah.
1: Wow, that's honestly it's like almost shocking, here. but not shocking at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of like it seems as though sometimes these people see one version of Black as if there's not different experiences. Mm-hmm. Like there's not one Black experience. We are just Black people living life. Yes. And I think it's really crazy how, especially after the Black Lives Matter movement, that's the tone and that's what he chose to say to you instead of, how are you actually doing after all that's happened, seeing all that's happened, that's what yeah, he's saying. well aware is, that this really,
2: happened as well. You know, uh, that's what probably hurt the most.
1: I think you also taking it up with, you know, authority, and then having it shut down must have been very hurtful because you assume that the, these people will take care of you; they are your employers. You do get paid a salary, but there is a certain duty of care that they have to their employees and you'd expect at the bare minimum racial comments or those sort of microaggressions at work would be dealt with accordingly but I guess that is it it speaks to what needs to be done as well in terms of what do we do now for the future because I personally I am getting a bit tired of like educating people and I think it's now time for people to use that education and actually
2: just understand
1: But um Zafari, what about you within the music scene? Have there been any racial barriers that you've noticed or any barriers in general, especially being a woman as well, as well as being a Black woman? I
3: think more as being a woman rather than my race, um, to be honest with you. At my age too, I think that's also been a barrier because when I started music, I was 16. Let's call it 17 and i kind of felt like there were certain times i'll be kind of like patronizing a little bit by promoters not really like kind of take me seriously even though like i feel like i've got quite a level head on my shoulders and there'll be times i'll go to a gig and they'll be like oh oh you know ooh, um, are you doing this or are you doing like kind of like making me feel like i don't know what i'm doing and even though like i've i've taught myself how to sing i've taught myself how to perform no one's taught me how to do this i'm i'm, I'm a master of my own creativity but like there'll be times where i don't know I, I would just feel like the men the promoters would just kind of make me feel less than what i am and i don't think i've ever experienced anything due to my race as such but i do feel like there's times where i'm st- i'm supposed to act a certain way because of my race and I'm supposed to, I don't know, maybe sing a certain way because of my race. And there's been times where I've done performances and I've covered certain songs and it's kind of like, oh, okay, why are you covering this song? It's, it's a white song or it's, it's, it's a song not made for me or I've, I've felt like there's definitely, definitely been times where I've been categorized in this box Kind of like going back to what we were saying about Miss Dynamite. How I don't know. I feel like you get more attention when you sexualize. Kind of get a bit more further in the music industry if you do sex- sexualize yourself a little bit. And with me, I personally can't be honest. I, I, I can't be asked <laughs> to do that. I don't have the time to kind of put that extra effort in to be someone that I'm not. And again, it goes back to me being a mom as well. Now I'm a mom. It's like some days I want to be sexy. Like there's this whole stereotype of me being a mom, but I can't. I can't act a certain way. I can't dress a certain way. I can't. I shouldn't be doing these certain things. But I'm still young. I'm literally only 22. I still have, kind of have that youth inside of me, and I can be whoever I want, and I can sing whatever I want. I can wear massive creepers. I can wear big chunky shoes. I can show the punk side of me if I want to without someone looking at me thinking "Mm, why why are you wearing that you're black why are you wearing why are you wearing those things you know it's not that I've had any racial experiences it's more the stereotyping and like growing up I've kind of had to like bite the bullet and think okay cool it's okay you're not gonna wear that just because you're made to wear that because you're a black girl you can wear whatever you want and you can do whatever you want. No one's gonna tell me not. <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been hard, like it's been really hard. And there'll be times I would go, like I used to go to my gigs and I'll be wearing my air maxes and stuff, like just because it's casual and I'll be wearing air maxes with a dress. And it's that's just how I wanna that's just how I wanna do it. I don't want to wear a dress with heels. <laughs> I want to wear trainers because it's comfortable. You know, it's just kind of like breaking the norms a little bit, challenging the status quo, and sometimes I feel like there's not many young moms in music at the minute at all. There's Beyonce. She's cool. She's got probably got 10 nannies (laughs) like for every day of the week, looking after her children and stuff. I've literally just got my mom and like my sister and that's it at the minute. So it's like, I don't know. It's really difficult. It's really difficult. But like, I think I need to push myself to stay in my lane And forget what all the stereotypes we have in society and all these social constructs and just get along with it. I definitely think that it's very relatable what you're saying in terms
1: of like the stereotypes are just forced upon us. And then we're kind of given like a pre warning by our loved ones to say, like, oh, maybe you shouldn't go here because, you know, it's a bit racist there or this is how people are going to perceive you. So things to moderate or mediate how you're perceived by others when in reality that's just your individual self. and I think it's crazy the fact that people have the confidence to question the way you're singing and how it's not quote-unquote black enough or it's a white genre I think the beauty of music is that it's so universal it it knows no bounds or no limits good music is good music um I heard somebody say once that there's only one there's only two genres of music good music and bad music Mm. and so much falls under good music that it shouldn't be defined by like Race and race shouldn't really be a barrier, but unfortunately, that is the reality that a lot of us face. And it isn't something that has started yesterday, it's been present, as I mentioned, with Jamelia and her experiences. And I think even in the present day, we've got artists like Lash- Lady Leisha from Birmingham, who I think in some ways it has progressed in terms of how the music scene has developed and how these sort of racial undertones are becoming less obvious not to say that it's completely eradicated but I think Lady Leisha is something somebody that is admired within Birmingham and outside of Birmingham because she's so vocal so open with not only her sexuality but her individualism I would say she's very original in her style which I think is amazing to see because often we we've kind of been silenced and I think like you were saying Safari like I think A big thing with especially being a Black woman is imposter syndrome. We often think that, you know, we're not supposed to be here or maybe we're not good enough or we have to work 10 times harder to even come close when sometimes we have double the talent and that's just the reality. But unfortunately, there are different ways that we have to act and be perceived and different barriers that we face, which I think is ridiculous and actually needs to change. And some of the things that are some of the things that we believe should be changed and how do we go about of impacting this change and seeing a change amira would you like to lead on that
0: from where i'm coming from the main thing is that it, it's about funding it's about support it's about representation it's about all of those different things leading on to your question earlier where you were talking about things like microaggressions and like imposter syndrome i think that's something that a lot of black people in the classical music industry can probably relate to to some degree and i think i've always been very unapologetic about being into classical music about loving it about being a black classical musician that is nothing that i've ever felt less for but i've regularly not even every so often regularly been told that it somehow dilutes my blackness. (laughs) That being a classical musician and liking classical music makes me more white, that I'm like an Oreo or a coconut or whatever kind of word you want to use to describe it. That association has always existed from when I started playing through to today. And that's something that you get to a point of acceptance with, right? And what's quite interesting is Classical musicians or other classical musicians amongst my age group, yeah, there have been the odd situations, but as a generalisation, very encompassing, very accepting. The the young classical musicians have no issue with race, right? The industry and the ones leading it, the granted things like the patrons who are supporting financially all these different schemes because the classical music industry is a niche and isn't getting lot of money from and funding from the general public or from the government they as a community are very different to the perception of the musicians that are living in in it if you know what i mean and it's it's quite interesting to see how when engaging with them you're anomaly you stand out you realize you suddenly realize that you aren't common ground in that sense and that's when you can start to feel like an imposter but then when you're in your day-to-day rehearsals no these are my friends we're all classical musicians etc cetera, etc cetera. and if anything i think i've had the most issues with being a classical musician amongst non-classical musicians and amongst non-musicians who are black generally speaking it's generally for me it's been other black people telling me that i'm not black <laughs> and even other people who aren't black telling me that they're more black than me because they listen to rap music and i'm like there are so many problems with these associations, with these concepts that rap is inherently black. And if I listen to rap music, then I am now a black person. Whereas if you listen to classical music, apparently you can only listen to classical music. Classical music has no black artists and therefore that makes you more white. Like the whole concept is, it's really just triggering and it's problematic and it's something that needs to be addressed. And this is what's quite interesting classical music is seen as elitist rather than niche because of the fact that it's associated with being wealthy and being white right and we notice that there is a class gap in the uk and there is a correlation between people of color and being from poor economic backgrounds right and what's quite interesting is the more black people that you see in the classical music industry that's supposedly a sign to say that the industry has become less elitist and less classist because well if we've got black people then we have more poorer people and therefore we're not as elitist and it creates a whole road of problems and also it has positive effects of course seeing more black people representation all of these positive things and um, getting rid of the elitist image of classical music is a wonderful thing to do because it is just a genre of music it is not superior in any way and it shouldn't be considered that way but I think there are so many there's still such a long road ahead of us in terms of improving the industry for those concepts. That comes with representation, it comes with funding. Um, It also comes with the problem that the industry is vastly connection-based. So when you go in for auditions, if you know this person or, oh, my uncle works with this person in this orchestra and um, I'm gonna go and get a spot here, do you know what I mean? Most young black classical musicians don't have those connections as a generalization. I I don't have those connections. I don't know many of my Black classical musician peers that do. So we're getting into places from sheer work and talent. Like many other people, don't get me wrong, but it is that element of those kind of privileges that come with the industry. So yeah, there's a lot of hurdles that can't be reduced to just race or can't be measured and proven that it is necessarily strictly race related. And I I don't know if that's a conclusion per se, but I would say that the main things that need to be done is just more funding and more opportunities really for young black musicians.
1: I agree. And I think you definitely touched on nepotism as well in that like, you know, it's about power and who knows who and who can help who climb up the ladder when sometimes in particular industries we don't have access to those opportunities and so we are less privileged in those spaces and then it is ultimately down to hard work and talent at the end of the day but I like the fact that you spoke about funding because that's something that often we try to brush to the side sometimes we don't like to talk about the fact that you know these communities need help financially I know that of recent there has been a significant reduction in the amount of youth clubs there are. I think actually Mahalia actually went to Birmingham, an academy in Birmingham, which specialised in performing arts and creative arts. And there she was able to establish sort of the start of her musical journey. And that was very much based funding. And I think something interesting that Zafari touched on earlier was that her local youth club down the road is where she produced her first EP, which is insane because it means that actually... These facilities and these places are necessary for young Black people to progress, not only in music, but I think that if a lot more of these youth clubs and centres were still open, we'd we'd definitely see a reduction in knife crime. We'd see a reduction in crime in general, because, you know, you'd be putting these young people in more positive spaces where they can harvest their talents in something that's more productive and not something that's detrimental to them but do we think that this is something that's been influential in previous artists careers I know that I touched on Mahalia but do we think the progression of the music scene in Birmingham was largely based on their access to opportunities and like youth clubs and centres outside like what do we think it was down to um, I'll start with Safari. Oh, Go
3: on. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you mentioned Mahalia because we went to we actually went to the same we went to the same college. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, lovely girl, lovely girl. Her mum's great as well. Her mum's really, really nice. So you can tell that she's come from such a nurtured environment. You can I felt it. But with what you're saying, I feel like a lot of it is sometimes luck. And then a lot of it is sometimes it's about your networks and it's about the people you know and the people that you connect with. Um, I think, unfortunately, I don't think there's many kind of big networks in Birmingham compared to London, but I feel like there isn't quite as much creative education as there should be in Birmingham. I feel like there should be more opportunities for young people. There should be like more art schools in Birmingham for for, for children to actually express themselves and young people to express themselves and realise that being creative, doing music and things like that is normal and it's acceptable and it is something amazing and it's so useful to your mental health. And I think I experienced that first handedly because growing up and going being at school, I was not quite academic. I think what made me get through school was my maturity, not really my academic, like, I was just not, I I did not do that. (laughs) But because I kind of had to put my mind to it, I kind of was okay. But my mind was very floaty, very more creative. And I think the national curriculum, unfortunately, just, I don't think it's the right thing for young people or children, because you can't express, you you don't know, like, creativity is kind of like, just kind of brushed away. You have to find it yourself. And then once you find it you have to find the right people to work with and then once you find the right people to work with then you're going to need the funding and then if you can't find the funding it's like you're going to be stagnant for a very very long time so it's having that kind of like creative education that i feel like birmingham doesn't quite have yet but i feel like we're on the way to get in there because again a lot of artists like, like George smith like mahalia they're there but it's because they've had that 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 creative education come from london and we need to bring it to Birmingham and we need to create those opportunities, not for young people, but for children too, because there's going to be so many young people and children who are going to love to sing, who are going to love to dance, who are going to love to play an instrument, but then they're going to get to like, it's like, what is it, the glass, the glass ceiling? They're going to see like what they can, what they can achieve, what they can't really achieve yet. So it's putting things into place now, getting those youth centres back open, getting some community groups accessible for kids so they know that they can do art, they can be creative and they can have those opportunities and not just you have it because of luck or you have it because of the people you know. We we need to have those opportunities there and then. And it's something that Birmingham needs to develop on, I think, but hopefully we'll get there.
1: (laughs) I do agree with you in terms of the curriculum and how it doesn't really favour creative arts because like yeah. I know in London well in my school the creative subjects were options that you choose they were never like compulsory subjects that you know we had to learn about music we had to learn about drama those things are like, if you like you can choose them but they weren't necessarily embedded within the curriculum at school so I think that is definitely a great point to make with regards to like how best to go forth in the future and how to develop, you know, the music scene in Birmingham, because I do see that, I think it's happening less so now, but a lot of artists within the Midlands did feel at some point that, you know, they had to be in London to have a successful music career, or, you know, they had to migrate to the States to have some sort of musical success, when really, this could be within our own communities. I think I see artists like Millions, who's a really successful rapper at the moment. He's definitely embracing the Birmingham culture. An artist like JK, who's definitely been an advocate for just embracing Birmingham and not conforming to being something else, to be more successful, which I think is something that unfortunately in the past has has happened with a lot of musicians. But Rory, would you like to discuss sort of what future avenues we could go down in terms of what to do next
2: what to do next that's a great question um I feel like there's so much that we have to do to like bring for, uh, further because you know touching on the um the youth clubs and you know those incentives that have just faded away throughout the years like for example I taught creative writing classes just before like lockdown two two or three November December and um you know, it was it was for inner city Birmingham youths, which literally 98% were bl- young black children. And, and you know, I'm t- teaching the creative writing classes. But I'm thinking, couldn't this be on a Saturday in their own time in which they w- had the option of doing? Why does it take them to be naughty for them to be here? I'll never forget. There was a year nine student, really lovely girl. She had colourful, bright hair um you know was into alt rock she said she loved like hayley williams paramore and she was only there because you know she's often taken a mick out of and she had to she you know she lashed out on a student being called like white or you know a sellout and you know it's a shame that she's not there out of her own accord because that's what she enjoys and like that broke my heart so i feel like going forward we need to take upon ourselves to you know often themselves even if they don't exist we have to go and create I and mean, you know Force a change, and as much as we have to look to the council for the funding of these things, if we come together and you know try and build these things into existence, like we have the capability to do so, and I feel like not to our own home, but like stuff like Bab, we like cater to artists in and around the West Midlands, and there's so many talented artists uh, you know coming up and emerging. I feel like with more platforms, in order for them to get their music out, and, you know, it doesn't have to cost you money. Like it's good music, we'll push you, and then. You know, if you can go to the stars you know, and beyond, like, great. So I feel like it just takes more selflessness and just us as because we have saw that the authorities aren't really doing much about it. To touch on schools, like, pushing away that creative element. I remember I uh, I really enjoyed art, like, from year seven to eight. And, like, it was coming up to year nine and it was options even. And, uh, you know, me and my mum went to see my art teacher and uh, she, she took my mum to a side and she was like, listen I know Rory really likes it, but he's he's not very good so I wouldn't you know advise him picking it, I'm a, she went mental on her and um, at the end I you know I didn't pick up because I was disheartened and you know so I feel I feel like it takes the you know the schools in general to you know say no we're pushing these avenues because you know we can get brilliant alumni it's like they should stop being stupid and look at it in that way see what they can get out of their students not just A stars a, A's and B's and you know mass ignition science because there's other avenues in which people can go on and have great successful careers and life poses so i feel like it just it, it takes everyone to you know look forward and you know build it from the ground up because like the seeds are there for that to you know happen
1: sure just before we end i would i wanted to ask if you guys had any emerging musicians that you want to recommend who we should be looking out for any young black musicians in Birmingham or outside of Birmingham that we should be looking out for and supporting I'll start with the mirror
0: well i will always plug randall gooseby incredible violinist um and he literally recently released an album which is an ode to some white classical musicians but also loads of black classical musicians and composers of the past i mean he's got a piece on it by um florence Bitches price and william grant still and awesome stuff happening there i mean in birmingham if you know anything about the birmingham royal ballet the new director carlos acosta He's Cuban, and he's been doing incredible things. And it's only his first year working as the director there. Um, previously, it was David Bintley. But whenever things start happening with the Birmingham Royal Ballet, just be right there to see all of that happening and watch all of that, because it's going to be incredible. I have more than more than enough faith in that. Of course, always check out the Connie Mason family. They're always releasing loads of new stuff. And um, yeah, just, I mean, particularly in my fields, those are the ones that I would be like, go listen to now. <laughs> sounds like
1: some sick recommendations and i feel like we trust your recommendations they'll be interesting to listen to do you have any recommendations for us to listen to
2: yes i do i'm here with the guy now this is yes he's amazing um he releases um you
3: you are amazing you are uh, amazing i have been listening to you a lot on spotify and you are definitely amazing and I was gonna s was gonna recommend you, but I didn't realise you guys would be in the same building.
2: <laughs> every day, every day, I've hijacked it, sorry.
3: <laughs> you took it with me, well, it's fine. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. But yeah, he's, he's amazing. Appreciate it. Um and there's big things coming from this guy, so yeah. yeah we're working on it. How but,
3: crazy
1: is that? Like you're in the same building as the person that you want no. to recommend. Someone. Yeah, I
3: was gonna say, Yes, I'll recommend Sofa. and then you've I was like, I mean Safari, you could recommend yourself. And now, have yep. now, now, now i'm gonna have to now i'm gonna have to <laughs> oh gosh yeah I, I recommend myself um again you guys to that imposter syndrome i don't give myself enough credit sometimes <laughs> okay
1: is there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on or mention before we go uh
2: i just want to give a big props to you all it's really it's been really inspiring to you know just see the different avenues that you've all come from and you haven't let any sort of tags keep you back so yeah massive props to yourselves
3: yeah yeah and a massive
0: thank you to sandra um for hosting yes. and, and doing sandra. everything <laughs> all your research <laughs> that came
1: through. yes yes yeah, definitely amazing. thanks guys i'm getting all shy now um, <laughs> no. <laughs> So, thank you for listening to the second episode of Brum, bringing recognition to underrepresented minds. Again, today's episode was on black music. I hope you were provided with a great insight. We've had amazing guests today. We had Zafari, Rory, and Amira, as well as myself. I'm Sandra N.Y., the head of music at burn fm which is the university of Birmingham's radio station and i'm also the diversity and inclusion officer for the student music network and it's been amazing to speak to you guys today
3: hopefully we catch you soon yes thank you